It's time for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. It's time for the game on News Talk 1400 WKNW Sault Ste. Marie. For the next two hours, we'll get an in-depth look at local sports in the eastern Upper Peninsula and Algoma region and hear from the coaches and players that are involved in the game. We'll also analyze the college and pro sports scene across the region and dive into the biggest national stories, too. Now, let's get to the game and join your host. Scott Nason. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the game on News Talk 1400. You can also hear our show online at Newstalk1400.net and podcast at thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As the man said, my name is Scott Nason, broadcasting from our News Talk 1400 studios just outside the city limits of Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. On this Tuesday, rather Monday, February 14th, 2022, the game, the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. We will be with you up until 8 o'clock tonight. The reason I said Tuesday is because we were supposed to be on Tuesday this week as the Sioux Eagles were scheduled to take on Greater Sudbury tonight. That game has been moved to March 1st, so we are here with you in our normal Monday night time slot. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll be joined by John Ferroni, head coach of the Sioux Indians Midget AAA hockey team, as we will talk about their past weekend's games down in Detroit and what is ahead for the Indians in Maha play. We also be joined by co-host David McKeg Jr., host of the Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario, as we will discuss the Sioux Greyhounds, the NOJHL, Winter Olympics, and more. And Butch Davis, co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, will also join us tonight to talk about what's going on in the Metro Detroit sports region and around the area. And Butch will stick around for the second hour in our sports roundtable. But as always, we start with local sports, and let's start with girls basketball from this past week. On Monday night, Pickford, they defeated Onaway by the score of 74-48. to Sioux High on Tuesday, they bounced back from their rivalry loss to St. Ignace as they held Gaylord to their lowest scoring output of the season, winning by the score of 45-34. to Rudyard also won on Tuesday night in EUP conference play, a close game against Brimley as they edged out the Bays on Tuesday, 59-57. St. Ignace keeps on rolling in girls' basketball. They won their 11th straight game and in convincing fashion as the Saints defeated Roger City, 57-11. Ingenine at Newberry in girls' basketball on Tuesday. That game was postponed. The Pickford Panthers girls on Thursday, they hold a firm grip on first place in the EUP Conference as they knocked off the Ingenine Eagles by a 63-45 count. Pickford now 9-0 in the EUP Conference. Ingenine, they fall to 10-5 overall, 5-2 in conference play. The Eagles will be home to Brimley on Thursday. St. Ignace hosted Newberry, on, or was supposed to host Newberry on Thursday. That game was also postponed. The Saints now 14-2 on the season. And they are at home to Indian River Inland Lakes tonight. Newberry 0-10. They haven't played a game since February 1st. They're scheduled to be home to Pickford on Tuesday. Rudyard on Thursday knocked off Sheboygan at home in Straits Area Conference play 44-32. The Bulldogs now 7-5 on the year. They will be at Munising tonight. 
The Sioux Blue Devil girls team improved to 13-4 and on the season Friday night in the annual Rivals versus Cancer fundraiser in Brimley as they raced past the Bays 72-35. Sioux High will play two games this week, Thursday at home against Sheboygan and Friday on the road at Escanaba. We'll have both games on 1230 WSOO. Myself and Ray Bell will have the call Thursday as I'll be filling in for Dave Watson. The tip-off show Thursday at 7 o'clock. And then Dave will make the trek to Escanaba as Suhai will take on Escanaba Friday night. He'll have the tip-off show on Radio Sioux starting at 7 o'clock. Brimley now 4-11 on the season. They will host Mid-Peninsula on Tuesday. Cedarville Detour girls at home on Friday. They fall to Lake Leelanau St. Mary's 62-36. That game played in Cedarville. On Saturday, Cedarville Detour, they rebounded nicely as they knock off Mid-Peninsula by the score of 56-49. to Cedarville Detour now 8-7 and on the year. They will be at Rudyard on Tuesday. And Pickford, they improve to 12-2 and in girls basketball as they won at home on Saturday afternoon over Lake Leelanau St. Mary's by a 71-60 count. The Panthers now 12-2 on the year, first place in the UP Conference. They are scheduled to be at Newberry on Tuesday. Boys basketball from this past week, Rudyard had a good battle with Claire as they knocked them off on the road at 48-41. One other game in boys basketball, Newberry topped Ingedine at home 63-51. On Tuesday, the Suhai Blue Devils fell at Gaylord as they were defeated by the Gaylord Blue Devils 52-47. St. Ignace, they continue to be hot in boys' basketball after knocking off Sioux High in their previous game. They won on Tuesday at Rogers City, 63-24. Ingenine, they win their first game of the season in boys' basketball on Wednesday as they defeated Mid-Peninsula, 63-28. Lots of boys' basketball on Friday. Sioux High had their highest scoring output of the season in Brimley Friday night as they topped the Bays 92-63. Brimley now 6-7 and seven on the season in boys basketball. They are home to St. Ignace tonight. Speaking of the Saints, they won their fifth game in a row at Newberry on Friday night in boys basketball, knocking off the Indians 62-48. to St. Ignace now 10-4 and four on the year. They are at Brimley tonight before a big showdown Friday night at home against Rudyard. Newberry now 5-9 and nine on the year. They will be at Pickford on Wednesday. Speaking of the Panthers, they as well earned their first win of the year at home on Friday as they knock off the Ingedine Eagles 56-45. to Ingedine, who picked up their first win of the year on Wednesday, they're now 1-11. They will be at home to Newberry on Wednesday. Rudyard, they remain undefeated on the season in boys basketball and just one win away from clinching another Straits Area Conference title as they defeated Sheboygan Friday night in a defensive battle, 55-43. And Cedarville Detour, they were defeated by Lake Leelanau St. Mary's at home on Friday night in boys basketball, 69-60. The Islanders bounced back Saturday afternoon as they won at Mid-Peninsula, 76-43. Cedarville Detour now 6-7 and seven on the season. They will host Rudyard on Tuesday night. That game will be in Cedarville. Rudyard improves to 14-0 and on the year as they shot down Ross Common on Saturday afternoon at home at 71 to 41. 
Rudyard will be at Cedarville on Tuesday and St. Ignace on Friday. And if you want to hear more about the Rudyard Bulldogs boys basketball team, catch this weekend's Full Court Press with myself and co-host Matt Johnson as we talked about these games. And we, as well, interviewed sophomore guard from the Rudyard Bulldogs, Cam Peterson. And you can find Full Court Press on the website of this show, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. And finally, in boys basketball, Sue High falls at Escanaba on Saturday, 79-57. to The Blue Devils now 7-9 on the year. They will be at Sheboygan on Friday night. High school hockey from the weekend. The Sioux High Blue Devils had a successful end to the home portion of their regular season. The Blue Devils doubled up Nagani on Friday night 6-3 and topped Traverse City West on Saturday afternoon on Senior Day 5-4 at the Big Bear Arena. The Blue Devils now 12-9-2 on the season. will end their regular season on the road later this week. They will be at Grand Haven on Friday and Muskegon Mona Shores on Saturday afternoon. The regionals are set as far as the matchups. Suhai will be playing in the Division Three regional hosted by Gaylord. And that regional will start on February 22nd. Suhai is in a five-team regional with the host Gaylord Blue Devils along with Alpena, Sheboygan, and Manistique. Gaylord and Manistique will play each other on February 22nd with the winner slated to take on Sioux High in a regional semifinal on Friday, February 25th. That one in Gaylord at 7 p.m. The other regional semifinal, Alpina and Sheboygan, who will play on February 24th. And the regional final is set for Gaylord on Wednesday, March 2nd. That one at 7 o'clock. Good luck to the Sioux High and Rudyard boys and girls swimming and diving teams this week as they will compete in the UP finals in Marquette over the weekend. The diving events will start on Friday with the swim portion of the competition set for Saturday. We'll talk about Sioux Indians hockey coming up here with their head coach, John Ferroni. We'll also talk about the NOJHL and OHL at the bottom of the hour with David McKegg Jr. Laker hockey over the weekend, a sweep at the Taffy Abel Arena as they defeated Ferris State on Friday 5-3 to and the Bulldogs were shut out by Lake State on Saturday, 3 to nothing. The Lakers will be at St. Thomas this upcoming weekend, Friday and Saturday night at 8.07. And don't forget, you can hear more Laker hockey talk tomorrow afternoon at noon with the voice of Laker hockey, Bill Crawford, on his show, The Laker Hockey Show, as head coach Damon Witten will join Bill Crawford and a cast of thousands tomorrow noon right here on News Talk 1400. Laker men's basketball has now won five games in a row. Big win at home on Thursday over number one Ferris State, number one in the GLIAC Ferris State. The Lakers win that game 88-73. to Kimon Bassett with 25 points to lead the Lakers. And then the Lakers men would follow that up with a nice win at Northwood, 81-52. to Malik Adams and Kimon Bassett each scoring over 20 points. So Lake State now fourth in the GLIAC with a 10-6 and record and now two games ahead of fifth place Grand Valley and Parkside. The Laker men will have their final road trip of the regular season this week. They'll take on Purdue Northwest on Thursday at 7.30 and Parkside on Saturday at 4. The Laker women losing a pair of games this weekend. They fell at home to Ferris State 70-47 to and then were defeated by Northwood on Saturday. 89-57. The Laker women will have a makeup game tomorrow afternoon at home against Wayne State. That one will tip off at 2.30. 
And you can hear that game right here on News Talk 1400 with David John. The Laker women will also tr- take the final road trip of the season. They'll be at Purdue Northwest on Thursday and Parkside on Saturday. We're going to take our first break here on the game. When we come back, we will talk Sioux Indians hockey with their head coach, John Froney. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, News Talk 1400. Are you a do-it-yourselfer homeowner or even a professional contractor and need quality electrical supplies? Maybe thinking about doing some upgrades and don't know where to start? Everything Electric has supplied the Eastern Upper Peninsula for over 40 years. Their experienced staff can help you choose the right supplies you need for your home business, farm projects, or anything in between. Call 906-632-1235 or come in and talk to the experienced guys at Everything Electric. 2893 Ashman, Sioux, Michigan. Ah, the joys of cooking. Just find a recipe, get the ingredients, preheat the oven. (laughs) Okay, this is already too much. Pull up Applebee's to go instead. Choose from the whole menu, order and pay online, pick it up, and now you're home with dinner. Ah, the joys of not cooking. Applebee's to go. Now that's eating good in the neighborhood. Pick up your next meal with Applebee's Car Side to Go. Order and pay online, pick up, and head home. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things. Like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owner's agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. I gotta figure out how to move the snow before it gets here. Wow, a lot of plows and blowers in the market. And where are they made? Okay, China, China. Wait, Brazil? What the? There's no way I'm gonna throw away my money. I'm going with Boss. Boss snow plows from Gaylor Thompson are made in the UP, where winter and deep snow are just a way of life. Boss Plows, made in Michigan for Michigan winters. Waiting for you at Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service. Exit 373, just off I-75, Rudyard. At St. Jude Children's Research Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on News Talk 1400. 614 on the game, News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you and joining us in studio, head coach of the Sioux Indians Midget AAA hockey team, John Froney. Joining us once again on the game. Coach, always good to see you, especially in studio, and welcome back to the game. Thank you, Scott. It's nice to be back and see you again. Well, always good to talk Sioux Indians hockey. You guys always keep me and Dave Watson over on Coach's Corner uh, up to date with all the activities and action. And well, let's talk first, Coach, about this past week. Weekend. You were down in Detroit uh, and taking on Little Caesars and a pair of other teams. And let's start with that Little Caesars game. Anytime you, you beat Little Caesars, that's a special occasion, but not just to beat them, but you guys had a pretty big crowd. I believe you played where the Detroit Red Wings uh, practice. Uh, just give our listeners an idea of how that game went and just the experience of you know beating a good Little Caesars team in their ranks, so to speak, in front of a lot of people. Yeah, they're, they're very good this year. They're, uh, I think they're knocking on second place right now, and uh, they're fighting you know, for jockeying for position for playoffs, who not to play and who to play. And, um, you know, we got down 2 nothing. 
and going into the uh, second half, we call it, of the of the game, the way it's set. And uh, we came out and we just kept playing, kept playing, and we found one. And when you get one, you try to go for two, and it worked out for us. And we took them in an overtime. Nobody scored, and then it went down to a shootout, and uh, Taylor White was in net for us. Uh, and um, he just shut all three shooters down, and Cole Ellegrott scored for us. And we're able to take two huge points, which really sets us up for the last weekend of the year. Nice facilities uh, at that rink. Beautiful, you know. The Pistons <laughs> were playing that night, so they were in the. They were playing just off the corridor from us, and uh, um, just just a wonderful building. You know, first time I really got to go through the bottom of it, and their practice arena is just special. You know, and uh, if you ever get to go there, go check it out. And the kids were pretty excited about it, and um, um, yeah, it's just one of those times in a kid's life where you don't get to do that too often, right? And it's, it's special. Coach, you played a couple other games on the weekend. You lost to Indy three to one, and then uh, defeated by Cleveland three to two. Uh, both close games. Uh, just walk us through uh, what went down in those games. I know there was some penalty <laughs> issues and other things. Feel free to speak. Yeah, well, you know, um, the Indy game. You know, we. Um, we got beat three one. It was an empty net goal, but um, and they came out and and they they took it to us really early in the game. And you know we we kind of found our way a little bit, but you know then some penalties started and some suspensions. And then well, it started with injuries. We lost the goalie in the first period, and I think that got the tempers going the way that happened. And um, you know they just uh, but I thought they outplayed us for most of the game. Um, we probably had better chances, but I think the play maybe leaned towards them more. But you know it's just one of those games that happened like that uh, uh the unfortunate thing was you know the injuries and the suspension so we had to take that into the um cleveland baron game and us and cleveland had split this year right in cleveland and in the sioux so it made it a nice game and uh it was a good hockey game and um it ended up 2-2 with three minutes to go and we took two penalties they went on a five on three and they scored we pulled the goalie late and just couldn't muster it but with that, you know, I looked at the glass half full on that. I got to use the depth in our lineup of younger players in the indie game and especially in the Cleveland game. And I was really happy with the way those guys played. So it gave me a chance to bounce lines around a little bit more than I normally would do. And I seen some great things out of a couple younger guys and, and I like that. So I'm looking at that as a positive for this week at practice. Looking at the season as a whole, John, you know, this Indians team is been and seems like every game when you lose, you don't lose by much. And uh, many times when you win, you don't win by a lot. I mean, this is a team of, you know, from the outside looking in that that has has gotten better throughout the season. Of course, this is where you want to be good because playoffs are coming very soon. Now, what's been the biggest improvement that you've seen as a coach from the Sioux Indians throughout the season? I think it uh, started off with, you know, when you got 15, 16, 17-year-olds that are a mix of guys, um, you kind of have to learn to kind of gel together a little bit. And the younger guys have to learn to compete. And, and once that starts to happen, you become more competitive as a group. And in our league, there's no nights off. No. I mean, and everybody beats everybody and the scores are really close no matter who you're playing yep. and um but but i've seen that happen where other teams in our league you know they're they're top heavy with 17 18 year olds and you know up here mike canisto we just do he just brings in young guys too to gel with the older guys and so it takes a little bit of time but um you know we had that happen and then we did get a, a goalie back from toronto from the junior league in toronto a kid that we had recruited but then decided at the last moment to go back to toronto and 
and then ended up back with us. Uh, they dropped an OHL goaltender is what happened. So he decided to come our way again, and which was really nice. And I picked up a defenseman out of Des Moines, a kid by the name of Gabe Fisher that helps us a lot. And then Colin Handy returned from what he thought was going to maybe be a junior career also into, into the compware system and then wanted out of there and came back to the Sioux Indians. So things like that happened. But I think one of the big explosion of our season where, um, and we knew he was going to be good, but boy, he, he just took off was uh, Colin Goff. Yeah. Uh, that kid, I tell you what, he, he had just has had a special year. Um, and, um, I, I really think that our younger players have really followed his lead in their competitive edge, which has helped us as a hockey team. So I think with all those things combined, um, it's made us competitive in the league. And, you know, I think we're capable any night of beating any team, but that goes for everybody else in the league too. John, of course, last season, uh, COVID-19, uh, affected your play more as far as, you know, just trying to get in games. You guys did very well to get in all the games that you did. This season, at least to my knowledge, you guys have been able to basically skate through it and not have these disruptions. What have you guys done right to have that happen? I mean, it's it's more than luck. You got to be doing something right to avoid the old COVID bug. It certainly as a coach got to be a little easier on your anxiety just knowing that you know heck we're going to play this weekend yeah it's been great you know even last season i think we were shut down for five days but really weren't shut down right you know we had to play out of state quite a bit for a while but you know mike canisto just does a tremendous job of keeping that going and into this season um you know it's been the way same way but you know a lot of our kids uh go school online and i think not being around a lot of guys all the time they're more hub they're more together all the time um, you know, do a good job of taking care of themselves. And, you know, then our staff just does a tremendous job of disinfecting everything every night. When everything is done at the rink, they go to work and they disinfect everything and um, they do their best. But, you know, kudos to the kids for, you know, knowing that they're here to play hockey and some of them come a long ways to do it and um, they want to stay healthy. So they take it upon themselves. So they deserve a lot of credit. John Froney joining us on the game, head coach of the Sioux Indians, a midget AAA hockey team. And John, you guys will be at home this weekend uh, the close out the regular season. I believe you'll take on honey baked Saturday at 5 PM and Sunday at 10 a.m., both games at Taffy Abel Arena. You know, you know you're going to be in the Maha playoffs, but still, these are league games and still big ones. How have you done against Honey Baked this season, and what should fans expect this weekend that want to go to the games? We played Honey Baked the first game of the season for us, and we lost to them 7-6 in Detroit in a showcase, but it counted as league games, and we haven't really seen them since. I know they made up some ground with some junior A teams that dropped some guys, So, um, but we're confident we can play with them this weekend. Uh, you know, we played some teams from uh, – Pittsburgh and Philadelphia a few weeks ago in Columbus, you know, they had battled a little bit, I think, with them during the year and, and they were competitive and, and we, we swept out in Columbus, which was a great weekend for us. And, um, but I, I think our kids, they need to come to play. If we can come to play and um, get a guy or two back in the lineup, like I said earlier this week, you know, we'll, we'll see tomorrow if they're going to play, we'll play. Um, I think we're competitive enough to to maybe make some hay with Honey Bake. The thing is, if we beat them, we can overcome another team in the league. And if we beat them and maybe get a point in the next game, we can actually overcome Honey Bake and they would be behind us in the standing. So there's some something on the line, you know, and then the following week when Lake Forest Academy comes in for 
two uh, out of league play games, right. and they're very good. We split with them earlier in the year. That's Darren Madeley's team coming yep. back to play, and um, then the following Wednesday we'd go to the state tournament. That was going to be my next question: the state tournament, uh, end of February, early March. It starts that that Wednesday after your last uh, regular season Correct. games. We it starts, uh, I believe, on the second, okay. and it runs us through the sixth. Very good, yeah. John Ferroni joining us on the game and coach. Uh, you know coaching at the high school level, you've coached at many levels, uh, you know, being now into your second season with the Sioux Indians, uh, what's been the biggest difference maybe with you, the way you approach a game or a team as far as at this level compared to high school or some of the other levels that you've coached at? What, what are some of the biggest differences that you've had to maybe adjust to, or maybe you were even surprised by? Uh, you know, the, the, the quality, the depth and the depth in triple, triple midget is just it's just it's stronger than high school hockey yeah. um, because you can go get guys, you know, we're in high school, they're there for you and you, you take what you get and you, and you make it your best. And, but uh, you know, the depth, but I, I think the time and the space that a kid has in AAA midget is just so minimum to make a play. And because it's so competitive, we're in high school, it gives you a little more latitude of, you can pick your head up, you can put, you know, hang, handle the puck a little bit longer. Um, the tempo of the game and the competitiveness of the game, you know, just turns into be more physical, more physical. And there's so many games that you play that, that, you know, you got to be ready the very next day. So, um, taking that with the practices, my practices have been a lot different than they were in high school. There's just a lot more battling one-on-one, a lot more competitive edges, guys fighting for guys to take their spot in the lineup where in high school, you don't see that a whole lot. Um, so it's more every day at practice. And so the, the practices are much more challenging for the players, which are much more challenging for me. But, but I like that, you know, I like going into the weekend with the kids, not knowing whether you're going to win or lose. Right. And so the kids come to practice and they don't know if they're going to, how they're they're going to do that weekend so the there's no nights off for them or no days off for practice so um i just think it's more of a um kind of a college junior mentality every day at practice you know we got guys lift in the morning at nine some go at one some do it after practice and that little bit of dedication to try to get to that next level is is there more as a whole i think in midgets than than i experienced in high school and i had some really dedicated high school hockey players that did did go on and do fairly well you know but i think in in the whole general scheme you know these kids are here for hockey and they're at the rink all the time and uh and it's just a different game you led me uh to a question i was going to ask you one of your former players certainly getting a lot of notoriety over the past couple weeks abby rock uh playing on the u.s women's olympic team they'll play canada in the gold medal game and you know just the question i wanted to ask is when she first suited up for you as coach you know as a freshman playing on a boys team what were your thoughts i mean you knew she was a good player and certainly she showed it uh, at the high school and basically every level but you know when you were first, you know, seeing Abby on the ice, what what was going through your mind as far as how's this going to work? Is this going to work? Obviously, it did work. Yeah, I, um, you know, I was just hoping everything that I had thought going in when I picked her was going to play out to play true, and kind of thinking to myself, you know, I, I was confident that it would to some degree, uh, but you know, it truly did. And uh, um, you know, I had seen Abby in my summer programs, and I'd watched her in the community the year before, and I'd really paid attention because I knew that question was going to come: Can I play high school hockey? And I wanted to be ready for that, you know. And I know there was going to be some criticism towards her for being on the team and for me taking her. And you know, I really wanted to be sure. So you know, when she did step on the ice, I was a little bit, eh, you know, well, hopefully this is going to work because. 
because I don't want her to be in a bad situation. Right. You know, and, um, but, um, it, it didn't really play out too much for me with her coming in. It, she was just a great player all the, all the time. So I just evaluated her, Scott, like, you know, I'm just saying, Hey, I'm coaching another hockey player. Right. And that's what I'm doing here. And is she good enough? And is she mature enough? And if that was the case, I was taking her. And um, that's kind of what I led myself to do. And, you know, to answer a few phone calls a week or two later and and uh, just explain to people, hey, if you got doubts, you come watch this kid play. And then we can talk about it. And no one ever really did call me. You know, the school, I think, was a little bit on the bubble. You sure. know, what are you doing taking a girl? But, you know, um, I just told the administration, hey, you know, you hired me as a coach. You know, trust me in my judgment. And I was lucky to have Tony Haller there. And, and Tony was just uh, just fantastic with the thought, hey, John, you know, I support your decision. And that made it a lot easier for me. And, you know, uh, um, it helped, you know, it helped Abby tremendously to play boys hockey. And I hope it opened the door for a lot of young girls to inspire to play boys hockey and maybe to play high school hockey because with Abby was the person perfect setting for it her really it gave her the time and space she needed yep. you know I, th- I think midget triple a would have been a bit been a big jump sure. and i don't think she would have maybe been as creative as she was in high school um but uh, it worked out for her and and now she's the lead figure in 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 girls wanting to play higher levels and you know just hats off to her and you know like yourself and you know i remember paul van wagner yep. and even johnny bell dave watson yep. you know tim ellis those guys i mean you guys have just been tremendous in the support of her all those years that she was with high school hockey you know and um you know and i was coming back to just make everybody feel good and you guys should all feel good about that too Well, i appreciate that john and certainly uh we definitely supported and continue to support abby rock as well as the sioux indians head coach john Ferroni joining us on the game from from the Sioux Indians again the Indians will be at home home rather this weekend Friday Saturday at 5 p.m. Sunday at 10 a.m. both games at the Taffy Abel Arena against Honey Baked uh, coach always good to see you thanks for coming on the show and uh, certainly maybe as we get closer to the playoffs or after a big playoff win we'll get you back on thanks for joining us tonight appreciate it Scott nice seeing you again you as well sir and welcome back to the game on News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you and joining us once again on this Monday night version of the game and each and every week. Co-host of the game here on News Talk 1400 and host of the game sports show in Sioux, Ontario. Ladies and gentlemen, David McKay Jr. joining us once again. Kegger, how you doing on this Monday, middle of Monday in February? Scotty, my friend, I am doing great. Hopefully you are well. I know this is almost been 700 plus days since I've seen you, my friend. It'd be so much better to be in the studio with you, but either way, I'm glad to join you each week. Appreciate you joining us, Dave, and we have a busy uh, agenda here, so let's get right to it. Let's start with the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, another so-so week for the Hounds. They faced Sarnia twice at home over the weekend. The Hounds were shut out by the Sting on Friday night, 3 to nothing, and it did a better job on Saturday. Winning by the score of five to three, the Hounds now in second place in the West Division, holding a 25-14, four and one record, 55 points. They're one point currently behind the Flint Firebirds. The Firebirds also hold a game in hand on the Hounds, and the Hounds five points ahead of third place Windsor, who hold four games in hand. So it looks like it's going to be a very good three horse race in the West. The Hounds will be home to Flint on Wednesday and then hit the road for a pair of games this upcoming weekend, uh, Friday.
Bay in London, Saturday in Owen Sound, and they'll also play a Monday game in Guelph. You can hear all those games on Rock 101. So, Dave, the Hounds uh, in quite a battle for first place in the West Division, now in second, but three teams uh, very close. Your thoughts? Oh, it is very close. And as you just touched on the standings there, you know, the Hounds had a had a weekend, though, where they ran into a hot goalie on their yep. first matchup. You know, he was the first star of the night, too, if you look at the OHL social medias. Uh, Godreau there at San Jose Pick. The kid's fantastic. Uh, so the, the Hounds ran into a hot goalie. And trust me, someone that's a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, I can understand how it is running into a hot goalie. Uh, <laughs> you get Thatcher, Demko, or Markstrom, either way, whatever it may be, goalies can win you hockey games. And if anyone tells you different, then goaltending uh, is not as big of a factor as it was. You guys are completely, or girls, are completely incorrect because goaltending is a huge part. Exhibit A would actually be the Montreal Canadiens from last year, Carey Price. Now look at what they're doing this year. So goaltending was big this weekend for the Hounds, but the second game, they're able to bounce back. And yeah, Sarnia has a team that's near the bottom of the standings. You think, all right, you know, this is a team that the Hounds should walk all over, but you know what? It's not like they're 10, 28, and 3 or anything rather. They're only a couple games under 500. This whole Western Conference has a lot of teams that are close. If you look at the sixth place team, Owen Sound, they're 19, 19, and 2, uh, and 2 for the shootout losses. And they're a 500 percentage in the sixth place. Usually, if you think of any, anyone that's sixth or fifth place, and then where Guelph is, that's kind of where you would kind of see the separation from the pack. But normally, to be a 500 team near the sixth and seventh area of the standings, it's almost around the fact of showing how tight this whole conference is, God, not just the division, uh, but the Hounds are in a tough one, okay, and Flint, you know, it's great to see Flint, though, you know, at the higher end of the standings, though, there's a team that they had a lot of difficulties right when they first started as an organization, so to see yeah. them climb, it's it's great to see, okay, and they're 5-0, and oh, and they're 9-1 in their past 10, Flint's hot right now, they are hot, the Firebirds are firing away, they are hot, here I am with my puns again, so the Sioux Greyhounds overall Although they're in a tight one, Scott, and I think the best way that they're going to be able to uh, stay tight and keep the competitiveness against these even top teams as we approach playoff time is don't change the agenda. Don't change what they've been doing because it's been working all year. Just improve on the areas that are kind of setting you back a degree in the game where, you know what, if you lose a game because you've had 58 shots to 12, you know, sometimes you just maybe have to look at smarter plays on shooting the puck in the net. Or some people say, oh, just score. Listen, it's not that easy. You can't help those wins. But if you lose games that are 5-2 because you didn't show up or you're flat-footed, those are things you can improve on. The Hounds have done very little of that this year. That's why they're 25-14-4-1 on the season. So they're, you know, very close near the end, Scott. But I, I think you're going to see a full battle until the end because all the teams are so equally matched. Speaking of full battles and teams equally matched, Dave, the Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League action from this past week. Sioux Thunderbirds, a very good weekend as the Thunderbirds uh, win a pair of games. They beat Blind River on Wednesday 4-1 to and then knock off French River on Saturday 7-4. to Sioux Eagles go 1-1 one one this week. They win at home against French River 9-3 to and then a great game on Saturday night with Blind River. Blind River wins the game by the score of 6-5 to five in a shootout. That game had five lead changes. It was just a fantastic game of hockey. The Eagles were scheduled to play tonight. When we discussed this last week, the Eagles were set to play Greater Sudbury. That game has been moved to Tuesday, March 1st. 
7 p.m. at Polar Stadium. Thunderbirds lead the West Division over the Eagles by seven points. The Eagles still have four games in hand, and those two teams will meet at the John Rhodes Community Center on Wednesday night, while the Eagles will host the Timmons Rock Friday night at Polar Stadium. You can hear that game with myself and Rob Horn here on News Talk 1400, starting with the pregame show at 7.15. So the Thunderbirds... Eagles, and you can't count out Blind River, Dave. I know you got a soft spot for the Beavers, but I like what I saw on Saturday from that team. Uh, all three teams very good, and Greater Sudbury kind of lurking in the background as well. This looks to be much like the Ontario Hockey League's West Division, a very good uh, competitive battle to the finish. Definitely very competitive, and yes, you said I definitely got a soft spot for the Blind River Beavers. Love the fan base, and I don't. I hopefully the fans still remember me despite playing there three different times. I think I left. <laughs> I think I left my footprint there still, or uh, my tail print. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get puns in there, and it's not really. Dave, out. Dave, you're unforgettable. You're, you're remembered <laughs> everywhere you go. Uh, that's that's a. I guess I could be both good and bad, but you know, nonetheless, <laughs> Thunderbirds, Eagles, Beavers, all three teams I have a, co- a connection with. So you know what? To see them with uh, in the top of the standings, Thunderbirds have always been a known team in this league, and Thunderbirds had a very successful weekend against the Beavers. But the Beavers are a team. Don't forget that for the past few years have been extremely competitive and. Brick and company have done a fantastic job with that organization, uh, really turning it around. Uh, the Thunderbirds are the Thunderbirds. All right, I'm going to flat out say it. They've always had the success. Anyone that comes and plays in the NOJHL, you're looking at going to Sault Ste. Marie, it's the Thunderbirds or it's the Eagles. You have two dominant organizations there that have been successful. But the Eagles, Scott, being four games behind of the Thunderbirds, and they're only seven points behind them, you know, they win those four games. They're in first in the Western Division. So the Eagles are not going to make it easy on the Thunderbirds, okay? And I don't know truly, and I might get some flack for this from either side of the border, but I really don't know who is the better team. I'm sorry, I really can't pick who is the better team. Yes, you can look at head-to-head. Yes, you can look at roster. Maybe someone's drafted or, you know, who's higher up in the point scale. Uh, You can either look at uh, who's had the longest kind of runs, the better percentage, all the stats you can pull out. But those teams are so evenly matched, but you can't count out Blind River. That team is going to be that that team who plays the Beavers in the first round, second and third kind of matchup. Uh, if you play them in the first round, you're going to have a grueling series. You're not going to walk out of that series easily. Heck, even if you do walk out of that series, because that's also a competitive team. Sudbury, I thought, would be a little bit higher uh, this year, the greater Sudbury Cubs, but again, a team you can't underestimate. But the Thunderbirds, Eagles, where they should be on the standings at the top in full flight, and it's going to be just a nail-biter going down. The Western Divisions, you said it, NLJHL and OHL, bringing us pure entertainment. Everyone always asks, what am I going to do? It's been COVID-19. I can't be doing this. I can't do that. Look at your screens and listen to us on the radio, okay? Look at all this excitement on the ice in the OHL and in the NOJHL. It can't get any better than this. Well said, Dave. David McKay Jr. joining us on the game. And, Dave, we're going to talk a little more in the second hour about the Winter Olympics as a whole, especially with the American uh, individual athletes. But to no one's surprise, the women's uh, team, Teams out of the United States and Canada will meet in the gold medal game. That will be on Wednesday at 1110. Uh, uh, the Canadians did beat the U.S. women during the round robin stage. And for the men, the U.S. knocked off Canada in the round robin stage going 3-0. and uh, They will get a bye into the quarterfinals. And uh, Canada will make the quarterfinals as they take on China. But, Dave, I've been pleasantly surprised 
I'm not surprised by the women's. I expected that, but I wasn't quite sure, you know, the men's competition, certainly missing the pros in there from the NHL. But I got to tell you, I've been very impressed by the level of play of a lot of these collegiate athletes and, and junior hockey players and other, you know, minor pro hockey players that are playing that U.S. team. It reminds me a little bit. I know this might be a stretch. Reminds me of that 1980 team that had a bunch of college athletes on there. Maybe not the most talented, but boy, just got a lot of grit, and they really look good against Canada. What are your thoughts as far as the Olympic hockey that you've seen? You know, honestly, Scott, every time I watch the Olympic hockey, and you know what, yesterday when I was watching a little bit of the, after the Super Bowl, Team Canada plays Switzerland in the first 10 minutes when it's 5 nothing Canada, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> again. <laughs> What's going to happen here? But you know what, Switzerland came on battle, and their other goalie that went in, the name's escaping me right now, but she went in and did fantastic. Uh, it, it's been good hockey still overall, but the two main teams are Canada and the United States, and, you know, that's unfortunate. I kind of hope that you can see the other countries develop and catch up to Canada. And the United States, but the the women's is as expected. This is no surprise. It's been the same for how many years now? Twenty years. So uh, there hasn't been any change to that. But the men's, Scott, I've been I'm so upset that the NHL players couldn't go. The dream of being able to watch Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon power play with McCarr and Petrangelo on the or or Mitch Marner. There's no penalty kill. I don't care what country you're talking about. That's just one power play that you will not have any uh, success from the penalty kill standpoint. That's one power play that will have success scoring goals. And I watched Canada play China, and the Chinese team that is on the ice right now was the team that they were going to ice in the Olympics. You know, and I'll say it flat out honestly, that concerns me for if the NHL players would have went over there because it would have been it wouldn't have been fun to play that to play. No. I'm just going to be honest and flat out say it. But teams like Germany, Switzerland to an extent, uh, those teams really present an opportunity to do well for the country because Dominic Cahoon, these different guys that are there. Uh, so it is exciting to watch. You bring up good examples about the, some of the college athletes, the semi-pro athletes that are being in there. It's given them a chance to represent their country. And the Americans undefeated going into uh, the next stages. And they are a great team to watch. You know, honestly, when I watched Canada in the States on Friday, I actually thought Canada was still the better team on paper. But the States showed that they're a team that can play that full tire game without giving up. They they play the typical United States type hockey that I recall. And I mean that with the most respect. But I remember playing every American team that I played against as a Canadian. You just liked playing Americans because they worked so hard and they they battled to the final whistle. And they didn't hesitate to give you a couple of beaks once in a while. Yep. They didn't hesitate at all. They were fearless. And when I look at this American team, I see a team that's really poised to win. And not that I don't see that in Canada or Germany or even, of course, Russia being a favorite in this. But it's going to come down, though, to the end. It's great where the United States plays themselves. But Canada, the States, Russia, these teams that are still you know, battling to get the place of a medal, it's all even throughout the board. I really think it really is. And I think what's going to really come down to the end, Scott, it's goaltending. It's much like you see in everything. I think it's going to be a goaltending matchup when you get towards the end. That's what's going to steal you the game. But it's been exciting, but I truly miss and really dislike the fact that the NHL players are not there. That's still really unfortunate. I think that would have been a treat to not only see the McDavid dream power play line that I said, but wouldn't it have been nice to see Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, and the boys in America do a nice little stack line? Like It would have been just as 
fantastic to see Ovechkin back there, right? Malkin, Ovechkin, and Kucherov if he was healthy. Like, imagine the Olympic excitement we would have had. It would have halted. The hockey media would have halted. Nothing would have been relevant going on in the world except watching those games. I think people are watching the games a little less right now, uh, but they're still exciting. We have 2026, hopefully, to see uh, pros back in the NHL Olympics. Dave, David McKay Jr. joining us on the game. And, Dave, before we let you go, uh, what's ahead for you and your crew with the Game Sports Show? I loved your edition last week, the special edition upload with Marcel Dion and Pete Mahovlich, uh, also on YouTube. Really enjoyed that interview. Just what a, what a bunch of great guys they are and just 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 character, quality guys. I really enjoyed that interview What's ahead next week? This week uh, for uh, the Game Sports Show in Canada, I know I'll tell listeners, I got some messages yesterday about not having it in the pocket uh, pregame Super Bowl. So uh, we were unable to coordinate that. And, yes, we figured that would be a video, our first video news show. But we had some halts with that. But we do plan to record at least another in the pocket this week if it's either the audio or video version. Uh, we do plan a uh, top shelf edition this week as well. Uh, we will not have a special edition upload this week. But uh, the content from the TGEM Network on YouTube, there's the podcast. We'll have all the content on there. Keep it up because Bitter Rivals podcast had their upload on there. Strong Minds will have theirs. Uh, we'll be working with Borderline to have some stuff up there as well. So there's a lot of content on there that you can veer over to. Uh, but this week, it's in the pocket and top shelf is on deck uh, for the Game Sports Show in Canada. Our next special edition upload right now, we do anticipate it'll be Drew McIntyre. It will be on video, but it won't be an actual video show. Uh, our next uh, big one after that will be with uh, James Duffy. We'll have the James Duffy upload. So that'll be very exciting. So a lot of big things to tune into. But this week in particular, uh, we will have our in-the-pocket reaction to the fantastic Super Bowl that was yesterday uh, and a top-shelf edition. And let me just say, that Super Bowl halftime show was the best thing I've ever seen. I don't care. Amen. Amen. Anyone disagrees, I've seen posts. I want to rant about that right now, but I won't because we don't have the time. But uh, listen, the 80s, 90s, and 1000s birth years were just having the time of their lives yesterday. Uh, but that was absolutely amazing. It wasn't too over the top. It was well organized. The music was spot on. And you know what? Yeah, it wasn't so flashy, gory like Lady Gaga or Shakira, Beyonce type thing. But you know what? They were absolute fire. That was the best halftime show I've ever seen to date. End of story. And try to prove me wrong, because you are going to be wrong. That was the best, period. And those like myself, born in the 70s, Dave, we enjoyed it as well. It was great. (laughs) And and you know what? What I liked the most about it, they focused on the music. They didn't have all the lights and all the dancers and everything. They focused on the musicians and the dancers. Dr. Dre, who's about six or seven years older than me, those at home can do the math to find out how old I am, was outstanding, as was was the rest of them. I would 100% agree with you on that. Dave, appreciate you taking time out for joining us on the game. We'll talk to you next Monday night for our next edition sounds good scotty and make sure everyone to hit like follow and subscribe and all the game sports show and t-gem content you do you will not be disappointed thank you sir we're going to take a break we come back we'll go to butch davis from butch on sports in metro detroit all coming up on the twin sues only local regional and national sports show the game news talk 1400 Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on News Talk 1400. 
And welcome back to the game on News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you and joining us on the game, co-host of the game here on News Talk 1400 and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis. You can find Butch on Sports on his website. Just go to simplybutch2. That's too.podomatic.com. You can also find all episodes of Butch on Sports on our podcast page, thegamesportshow.podbean.com as Butch joins us each and every week to talk about what's going on not only in the metro detroit sports scene but sports around the country and around the world butch how you doing on this monday night my friend <laughs> well that, I, i'm glad you said that because i was at the uh, sue eagles broadcast over the weekend and uh, one of our loyal listeners uh, wanted me to ask you first how does butch davis spend his super bowl viewing party uh, and specifically what is he eating and what is he drinking butch answer the viewers or the listeners question please i would like to be as truthful as i possibly can that's why we love you Boys and girls, I I was they said chicken wings went up. Well, not if you didn't shop ahead of time. Had <laughs> a boy. Chicken wings, humongous. Uh, some succulent brocks. Some great Jim Bean. Oh man, and um and and some Darsekis. that kept me thirsty and whatnot all time, all night long there, and um. I'm not feeling any pain. Uh, attaboy. I, I felt a little pain this morning. Uh, we made some nachos, uh, some very loaded nachos, as well as uh, some hard sodas. Brand new uh, beverage that I fully recommend uh, for those that are of age and not uh, behind the wheel or doing anything like that. But, Butch, we're going to talk a lot about the Super Bowl, uh, especially in the second hour. But just overall thoughts on the game, uh, the Los Angeles Rams uh, win their first uh, Super Bowl in Los Angeles as Matt Stafford found Cooper Cup for the go-ahead touchdown with a minute 25 to play, lifting the Rams to a 23-20 to win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Butch, just uh, overall, your thoughts on the game before we kind of dissect it a little bit more in the second hour. Dissecting it is what has to be done, but again, it was a you know, congratulations to the National Football League. This is one year in a long, 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 long time, and probably a whole lot of people's lifetimes, that we saw competitiveness all the way through from the wild card all the way up to the championship game. Sure did. It, this this game was something special. Uh, the dissecting is, is, is to come, but again, um, what you saw in the last part of the game was just totally outstanding. Uh, Mr. Donald, in my in my in my estimation, is the most valuable player. Agree. Agree. I cannot get mad when they pick Cooper Cup. I can't get mad at that. You know, he played a yeoman's game there. But do not say anything about uh, Aaron Donald's work in that game would be ignorant and whatnot. He played, he was the big reason Los Angeles had even a chance, okay? And I, again, I take my hat off to both teams that they played a magnificent game. Yeah, it was a good game, Butch, and, and certainly the acquisitions that the Rams made over the past year, Aaron Donald, they drafted, obviously, but getting Odell Beckham Jr., 
Of course, he got hurt in the second quarter. We'll talk more about that in hour two, but also getting Von Miller and, of course, Matt Stafford. You know, Matt Stafford did throw two interceptions, uh, one really not his fault. But, you know, how many times did we see him in Detroit do those last-minute drives? And it was a sustained drive, what, 15 plays? Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, making the right catches and or passes and, and Cooper Cup, you know, making those catches. You thought maybe with Beckham out that, you know, it might be a little tougher for cup but boy that stafford cup connection this season magnificent yeah but that don't happen without aaron donald exactly the job he did in that especially in the last quarter uh, was just outstanding there when that last uh, drive of the cincinnati Bengals came about where he got personally involved yep <laughs> then bob miller again batting um batting passes away or whatnot Everybody who was somewhat accountable in that particular game, they showed very well there. But again, Matthew Stafford was not the issue there. Cooper Cop was the man who was making the making the catches, and also Aaron Donald, the job that he did in that fourth quarter, especially. Uh, I'm just surprised that that you know if they said Cooper Cop and Aaron Donald. Uh, Cole MVPs, I can't get mad at that. Can't get mad at Cooper Cop. But again, not to mention Aaron Donald in any parts of that particular game there is, is a mistake. Yeah, I agree, Butch. I think a, a case could have been made for co-MVPs. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald uh, took a while to get going, so to speak. Cincinnati neutralized them for a good part of that first half. But boy, you saw what happened in that second half and that third and one tackle that he made I mean you you talk about a play he was getting blocked and he just got around the edge and and, and grabbed Pernine and, and that was it Cincinnati fourth and one didn't get it but we got a lot more to talk about Butch we got to take a top of the hour break when you and I come back we will talk more about Super Bowl 56 and of course the world of sports all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local regional and national sports show the game news talk 1400 if you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. Let's get to the second half of the game on News Talk 1400 WKNW, Sault Ste. Marie. It's the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Now, here's Scott Nason. 
And welcome back to the game on News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis. And Butch, we're talking about Super Bowl 56. Again, the Los Angeles Rams defeating the Cincinnati Bengals last night by the score of 23 to 20. And I have a few talking points that I wanted to dissect and debate with you. And the first one that comes to mind is officiating. Now, we did see uh, officials have a part in the game. They always do. Uh, and certainly, if this was the best the NFL had to offer, I don't know if they had a really good night. We saw on the touchdown pass by Jamarcus Chase, uh, it looked like he got a piece of uh, the face mask of uh, of the uh, quarterback there for the Los Angeles Rams. And, and certainly, to me, the biggest uh, the miss that the officials had was when it was third and goal for the Rams on that last drive, there was movement all over the line before the snap. They didn't call that. And then they called a somewhat uh, minor holding penalty on Cincinnati, which gave the Rams first and goal opportunity. So I'm not saying that the officials cost Cincinnati the game, but you know, these guys don't get evaluated to my knowledge as much as they should. I just wanted your comments on what you saw from the officiating crew last night. It seemed like somebody was talking to him in those headphones or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the whole game, you didn't see flags at all. Right. As a matter of fact, all through the fourth quarter, you saw a total of three penalties in the whole game, okay? And then all of a sudden, you saw flags left and right every single, every single play when the Rams was uh, going down there to score and whatnot. And it just basically, it was... It was monotonous. We're not talking about the one that they missed, okay, when Cincinnati scored and he <laughs> the cornerback got his head torn open. To Ramsey, yeah, Ramsey. The officials missed it here. I don't know how they missed it here. That They didn't see the offensive player, the Cincinnati Bengals, the wide receiver number 85. Twist the guy's head off to no not one yeah. before he caught the ball and ran on his way. I'm quite sure uh, the gentleman on the Los Angeles ran drunk or sober right now. Still, his neck is probably getting getting twisted in <laughs> back in the shape there, you know. But yes, you you know all the flags you saw in the latter part of the game here. It gets you wondering what's going on with the game and if you're saying the officiating was top notch, I say no sir, not it was at all. not. Um that again, officiating has to be looked at accordingly there, you know, and maybe a lot more pictures need to be taken and I'm quite sure they will be brought down to the core when uh NFL look at this game and the officiating in, in general and see what was right and what was wrong. But again they definitely saw what was wrong because it was a very big imbalance of calls from the beginning of the game all the way to the end of the game when you saw that 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 scale tipped and you saw all those penalties being called. Yeah, fifty on Cincinnati. Fifty-eight minutes, uh, not a lot of flags, and then all of a sudden you're throwing flags on everything. And you know, when I officiate, Butch, I'm not saying I'm the greatest official ever. I'm sure many will agree, but you want you want consistency. If you're going to do that for fifty-eight minutes of the game, you should be doing it throughout. And uh, certainly, Cincinnati has has a little bit of an axe to grind. But you know, the thing to me, Butch, with Cincinnati is, I think they made some very questionable play calls, especially towards the end of that game, uh, you know, 
once they went down three, lots of time. They had a good kicker, try to tie the game, and they got a, a, a nice play. And, and to me, the game changed when it was second and one. They didn't use a timeout. The clock was running, and they, they did a long yardage play that went out of bounds. And then at third and one, Joe Mixon, who you know had a pretty good game. It seemed like every time he touched the ball, for the most part, he was gaining a, a lot of yards. They go to their backup running back on a crucial third and one. I didn't understand that as well as you thought once Odell Beckham Jr. went out of the game, all right, now you're going to key in on Cooper Cup. I know Cup's good, but, you know, Cincinnati just, you got to know that they're going to be going to him. I just thought, you know, those are some questionable coaching calls that I saw, especially towards the end of that game. What what did you see? Well, that indeed I thought was very questionable that Cincinnati did play did not play man-to-man. Right. At that point in time, you got to play man-to-man. You can't play a zone. And Cooper Cup tore into the rear end of the Cincinnati Bengals because they were playing a zone. And you can't give someone like Cooper Cup uh, room to roam and whatnot, catch the ball, and you, you figure out that, oh, well, we'll attack them in the end. That was just plain stupid from the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. You got to pop that guy in the mouth before he get off the line. You got to make it very difficult for him to even run a pass pattern. You got to let this guy know, remember, next time he runs, he's going to get in the, in the right side of his jaw and whatnot. And they didn't, Cincinnati didn't do that. I think that's the biggest mistake of the game, and they had to do it all over again. They would play man-to-man, and they definitely would not allow Cooper Cock to just run into oblivion like he was doing all because of a play call of a zone and nobody else backed it up here, okay? And going into the game, Butch, to me, the biggest matchup was how Cincinnati's offensive line could hold up against the Rams' defensive line. And again, we saw that hold up uh, for a good portion of the first half. But boy, you know, Aaron Donald and crew, I mean, it just, it was only a matter of time. Cincinnati will definitely have to address the offensive line in the offseason. That should be their number one priority in my mind. But, you know, you said it, Butch, Aaron Donald was the big difference in that game. The offensive line they need to catch up on, and they also need to do some jobs on maybe the defensive line as well there. They got to get a little bit more pressure uh, consistently. And and also, again, and I'll speak on it very thoroughly there, uh, your quarterback play cannot be just just, uh, a thing of the past there. Good, good, solid teams play man-to-man. They make it very difficult for you to breathe, okay? And, you know, I looked at San Francisco. I looked at other teams, Tennessee. I looked at teams that lost. Tampa Bay was another one there. They made you earn to get the victory there by basically just going out there and hitting you in the mouth. And, again, I did not see that from Cincinnati at the end of the game when it counted. They, you got to hit them in the mouth. you got to make it difficult. So what if you get a penalty per se? But again, don't allow the guy to have carte blanche just running anywhere he wants to go. Butch, let's talk about the halftime show. Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent, along with Mary J. Blige. I wanted your comments on what you thought of the halftime show before I give mine. I was shaking my ass. <laughs> That was one of the best halftime shows that I've seen in many, many, many moves there, okay? 
It's better than Janet Jackson getting ripped off by Timberlake there. But you know what? This thing, that was down-home blues there, man, at its finest there. And, and they put on an excellent performance. It wasn't all pacey where you had all these fireworks yep. or whatever going. But, you know, every single performer did songs that we can relate to and whatnot there. And some of the fans there, whether they were bobbing their head or shaking their rear head or tapping their feet and drinking their liquor, okay? You know, it was a doggone good affair there. Always to the line for the halftime performance. I agree 100%, Butch. I would put it at the best one I've seen in recent memory. I mean, every one of those guys and girls, Mary J. Bly, I mean, she was fantastic as well. Oh, but, yeah. but you know, they played their songs that everyone knows. And, you know, Dr. Dre, 56 years old and still doing it well. I'll tell you what, when he went into California Love, that, that, that got me of course Eminem and the rest of it and I like what you said Butch I agree you know it wasn't the flashy lights and like we saw last year with the weekend you know it was about the music and especially in Southern California where a lot of that music Snoop Dogg and Dre you know that's where they grew up they made that music yep yep yes he is it was good. That was a doggone good performance by every single one of the mates in the in that particular halftime performance. I almost thought when Stafford heard the halftime and he heard lose himself, it reminded him of Detroit. That's why he played bad in the third quarter. Cincinnati Bengal stayed outside and watched the whole halftime performance, sitting on the sidelines, man. I'll tell you, I did see that McPherson there. Yeah, he was. Some other players snuck out there and saw it too. You ain't said nothing, but by golly, they did. Butch, how about the commercials? That's always a big part of any Super Bowl are the commercials. Uh, I certainly saw a good portion of them. I have a few of them that I liked uh, the most. I wanted your thoughts. Uh, commercials. What, did you see any good ones? None. Uh, you know, they made a big hop about the commercials and whatnot there. They all stunk. I, the one I liked was the the coat from the Budweiser Light commercial there. He got injured and whatnot, trying to hop a fence and whatnot. I don't know if he was escaping or whatever he was doing, but he hurt his leg and ended up bending and got back together again and still to get on that trail and just like the other car sales out there. So that was my best one. I thought the doggone commercial were overrated. I didn't. Overrated. Yeah, I saw a couple that were all right. I like the NFL live ball one where the kids are playing the video game and, and they came out. I thought that was neat. And the only other one that I really liked was just because I'm a big Seinfeld fan, the Larry David one where he was, you know, saying this isn't a good idea and they go back throughout history. I thought that was clever. But yeah, overall, I think that the the commercials kind of underwhelmed this year, but yeah, hey, the, very much so. I would rather have the commercials underwhelm Butch than have the game itself and the Super Bowl halftime show underwhelm, and both of those lived up to expectations. Well, it was $70 million for 30 seconds. Woo! What can we do with $70 million for 30 seconds? Heck, I'll take... Thing, you know, really, and this is a portion that really of the Super Bowl that really... It stung to me, okay, that they're bragging and boasting of hometown people in the state of Michigan. Oh, Matthew Stafford, he that, 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 this. He that, 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 that. Look, let me tell you something. Matthew Stafford it is a, he got a quarter of a billion dollars. Not bad. From the Detroit Lions. 
And for 12 years, he stunk. Although we saw his, his, his game, okay, and it's sad that he didn't have no backup from defenses and other doggone points of uh, the Lions under-efficient coaching staffs and whatnot there to kind of guide him to better years and whatnot there. But I kind of got sick of it, okay? You know, why do I got to root for Matthew Stafford, okay? You know, he's already got it. You're rooting for him when he got his quarter of a billion dollars from the Detroit Lions and whatnot there. Why should I continue to, 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 to flourish? Oh, he, oh, he's the Matthew Stafford, the kissy-kissy-poo-poo-poo kind of people there. For what? So, needless to say, Butch, you haven't bought your Detroit Rams shirt in the Metro Detroit area. (laughs) And because of that win last night, Butch, that affects the Detroit Lions because the Lions had that first-round pick from the Rams. So, they will pick number two and number 32 and 34. So, the Rams are laughing all the way to the bank. They got the quarterback. And guess what? Your first-round draft pick, dead last. Only the Lions could have that happen. Three draft choices in the first First in the, in the first round of the draft, there, and the Lions botched that up there. There's something really radically wrong with the management staff now. I tell you. And Butch, finally, before we go to break, football fans, you are in luck because the brand new USFL will be starting in April, featuring the Michigan Panthers and former Tennessee head coach Jeff Fisher. They're not playing in Michigan this year. They're playing all their games down in Alabama. Butch, I'm pretty skeptical of these uh, spring football leagues that pop up. The XFL, the AEF, the CIA, whatever the other ones have been called. Is the USFL going to make it through the season? Only the TV will know for sure there when we see the product there. But like the other ones there, you know, people who continue to once say that spring football is the way to be, that people are very uh, intact in football all year long. It's, it hasn't worked as of yet. It, I don't think it's going to work down the road a piece. Remember the WWE they're getting back into the game with the XFL yep. next year and rock the rock. He's investing money in it. You know, it, this, you know, they, they try to commercialize something that's already pure, except for the officials, of course, there. But, uh, and that's like wrestling in itself. And, you know, when we talked about the Cincinnati Bengals and, uh, and the, and the Rams, Doing that particular game, yes, that was WWE laden there. But again, I don't know. I I don't think people just going to buy into it. Again, we'll wait and see. Yeah, we'll wait and see. And we did see The Rock uh, pregame there at the Super Bowl doing his best Michael Buffer impersonation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going to get a chance now. Butch, we've got to take a break here on the game. When you and I come back, we have a lot more sports to talk about. We'll talk about the Red Wings, the Pistons, the Tigers, and more. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, News Talk 1400. Are you a do-it-yourselfer homeowner or even a professional contractor and need quality electrical supplies? Maybe thinking about doing some upgrades and don't know where to start? Everything Electric has supplied the Eastern Upper Peninsula for over 40 years. Their experienced staff can help you choose the right supplies you need for your home business, farm projects, or anything in between. Call 906-632-1235 or come in and talk to the experienced guys at Everything Electric. 2893 Ashman, Sioux, Michigan. 
Ah, the joys of cooking. Just find a recipe, get the ingredients, preheat the oven. <laughs> okay, this is already too much. Pull up Applebee's to go instead. Choose from the whole menu, order and pay online, pick it up, and now you're home with dinner. Ah, the joys of not cooking. Applebee's to go. Now that's eating good in the neighborhood. Pick up your next meal with Applebee's Car Side to Go. Order and pay online, pick up, and head home. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owner's agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. I gotta figure out how to move the snow before it gets here. Wow, a lot of plows and blowers in the market. And where are they made? Okay, China, China. Wait, Brazil? What the? There's no way I'm gonna throw away my money. I'm going with Boss. Boss snow plows from Gaylor Thompson are made in the UP, where winter and deep snow are just a way of life. Boss Plows, made in Michigan for Michigan winters. Waiting for you at Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service. Exit 373, just off I-75, Rudyard. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Mason on News Talk 1400. 720 on the game, News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis. Butch, let's move on to the Detroit Red Wings. And last week, Butch, the Red Wings did something that they haven't done since Bill Clinton was president. I hesitated for a reason there for listeners to try to guess their own answers. Of course, the correct answer was the Detroit Red Wings won at Philadelphia for the first time since 1997 on Wednesday, 6-3. to The Wings then followed that up by a 4-2 to win at home against the Flyers on a Saturday. Good week for the Wings, back above 500, still fifth place in the Atlantic, seven points behind fourth place Boston. The Wings are at Minnesota tonight at 8 p.m. You can hear that game over on 1230 WSO. Butch, uh, Wings, two games, two wins. Your thoughts? And three out of four, you know. Right. So they're they're getting better. Again, you know, this team has a great opportunity to make some dents there. Not saying they'll make the playoffs per se, but doggone they're close. And you know, you hate to see the games that they lost that you know they should have won. But again, we're gonna see what the guts of this particular team as Eisenman uh, continue to bring up new young kids to come and make these contributions toward it there and see some of the old farts uh, get swept away here, you know. If they can't hack it and get in there and give 100% and then some, we're going to see a lot more kids in the game for the Red Wings there. And, and they're doing quite well. Grice got into it as a goaltender, yep. which I wanted to see. He ain't been playing since, I think, uh, the beginning of January there, and he's done quite well for the Red Wings. Uh it's something different there. So let's see how long. Again, defense has to improve itself there. If they're going to be competitive down the road of peace, they're going to have a starch, starchy good defense. And right now the Red Wings 
a work in progress on that particular. And Butch, we're going to know a lot more about this Wings team over the next eight games. Listen to the teams that they play coming up next. They play Minnesota on the road tonight, 29-11-3. Then they're at the New York Rangers, 30-13-4. Then they're home to Colorado. 33, 8, and 4. Then they're home to Toronto, 30, 12, and 3. Then they're home to Carolina, 32, 11, and 3. Then they're at Tampa Bay, 31, 11, and 6. Then they're at Florida, 32, 10, and 5. You want to talk about a tough seven game stretch. If the Wings can even flirt with 500 in those seven games, they, they got to be pretty happy because that's a pretty daunting schedule. Well, they can't be pretty happy. They're going to have to win the majority of those bad boys there because there's a lot of games that they have played early in this year that the teams were much poorer, okay, that they did not win. Yeah. So now you're putting yourself in a situation that's got to show everybody that, yes, we belong in the conversation when it comes down to uh, dealing with these better teams there, per se, there. And, again, it starts off on this road trip of seven games and also some games at home that basically they're dealing with some good starchy teams. Every team that you mentioned has over 30 wins right now. So, they got to show people that they belong. If they they can't uh, cut the cut the mustard, as they say, in these particular games upcoming, we'll we'll really see what this team is all about there. Butch, around the NHL, we talked about some of the good teams that the Wings are playing. I wanted to focus on a couple of the teams at the bottom of the NHL. Last week, the Montreal Canadiens fired their head coach Dominic Ducharme and replaced them with Martin Saint Louis. The Montreal Canadiens, Butch, were in the Stanley Cup Finals last year, dead last in the league, 8-31-7. What in the world's going on in Montreal? Changes. Changes need to be made. you got uh, guys like Petrie that are not performing as they should, as they did last year when it took everybody a decent surprise. You can say the same thing about the Edmonton Oilers, okay, right now, who's fired their coach yep. as well, okay, uh, because they started off to a hot, funky start there, and all of a sudden, they, you know, they, they, their head is dropping, regardless of the talent that they have on their particular team there. Again, uh, you, you, you can talk about the players all you want, but if that coach does not have influence over those players to do the little things, that make a successful team successful, you you really don't have nothing. And right now, those are two examples right now where the coaching just didn't come up to par or else the influence of the players are not there where they can say, you know, either you stay or you go, and no, no moves have been made. But the other team that has struggled for some time in the NHL is the Arizona Coyotes. They've had ownership issues, and now they're having a odd situation where the arena that they're playing uh, is no longer going to be their home. As a matter of fact, they are moving it to a new home starting uh, in the 2022-23 season. Arizona State University's Sun Devils Multipurpose Arena will be home for many of their home games. It seats 5,000 people. How in the world does that happen in the NHL? Your home is going to have 5,000 people? The sad thing is, Butch, they may not be able to fill it. Well, the deal is with the Arizona Coyotes there, that's the poor management there. Uh, the arena that they're playing, it's very sufficient to get people there. But again... You got to ask yourself the question, is hockey made for Arizona? 
And as it stands right now, regardless of how good or how bad the team is right at this present, they're having problems in gaining fan interest in coming to hockey games. So that needs to be addressed first. If they're going to be a successful team, the I'm quite sure the NHL management staff is saying, "Hey, look, do we continue to support a team that long time ago we knew that was devaluating itself and should have been in another city, like a, maybe a Portland, Oregon, there that basically you have a fan base that, regardless you win, lose, or draw, will support the team yep. with maybe uh, eighteen to twenty thousand people in the arena there." Uh, that's the thoughts I think the NHL is going to have to take during the offseason when it comes down to uh, what Arizona is going down with there. The management staff stinks, okay? And it's, it's time that they, they look at that and say, and cut their losses, you know, and ask themselves again the question, do hockey belong in Arizona? And Butch, uh, we'll kind of segue that conversation to the Winter Olympics before we go to our bottom of the hour break. And the U.S. hockey team's doing very well. The women won today in their semifinal over Finland 4-1. to So Michigan's Abby Rock scoring a goal in that game. And they will take on Canada in the gold medal game on Wednesday night around 11 o'clock. And the men's team, Butch, looking very good. 3-0 and in pool play. They'll be in the quarterfinals later this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on watching Winter Olympic hockey? The uh, reason I mentioned that after the NHL is Dave McKegg and I got into a little conversation. Dave misses the pros in the Winter Games. I got to tell you, I kind of like seeing these college guys and these other players that maybe, I wouldn't say want to win it more. That's probably the wrong thing to say, but I like the look of this U.S. team. You know, I got a lot of these guys that you're going to see in the NHL in, in the next few years. I've been impressed with what I've seen from men's hockey and certainly from women's hockey. Uh, that goes without saying. I think it was the right thing to say. Okay? Me too. You know, the proof of the pudding's in its taste right now. And we don't talk about U.S. players going over there to the KHL, okay? We don't talk about that. We don't talk about USA players going to play over in Sweden. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about a lot of, uh, a lot of Canadian players coming down to the USA now to college uh, hockey and doing their, their grandness to get on that stage to get in the uh, NHL there. We don't talk about that a lot there. Dave may miss it, but you know what? For whatever it's worth, you got some players on the United States team who feel that they've been deprived, okay? Right. And they're going to show their goodness. The majority of them are already draftees of the NHL or belong on the team or some type of property that some team in the NHL there. Or, again, in certain cases, uh, some of those professional players on the United States team are members of the KHL, okay? We don't talk about it. And so when these things are not talked about, you don't get to hear about the players who basically right now can do some damage in the NHL. But, again, they prefer not to be sitting on the sideline packing groceries at Kroger's or something. They decide to go and pack their bags and go somewhere else where they want it. Butch, we're going to take our bottom of the hour break. We'll get a Fox Sports report. When you and I come back, we'll talk more about the winter games, along with the Pistons, Tigers, and more. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, News Talk 1400. We are 
Here's what you need to know. The Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is out disputing an ESPN report that called him self-centered and one who always blames others. Murray wrote on his Instagram page in part, quote, I play this game for the love of it. My teammates, everyone who has helped me get to this position that believed in me and to win championships. All of this is nonsense, and that is not what I'm about. Never has been, never will be. Love me or hate me, but I'm going to continue to grow and get better. Close quote. The 76ers want James Harden to get better from that hamstring strain that he has been dealing with. So the team says he is out through the All-Star break. And because he's not going to be able to partake in the All-Star game, Cavs big man Jared Allen will step in as Harden's replacement on Team LeBron in that upcoming All-Star contest. Also, the NBA has reinstated Tyreek Evans after a near two-year drug suspension. He can sign with a new team as soon as Friday at noon Eastern. I'm Brian Fenley. Central Savings Bank has been your hometown bank since 1902. We live in the communities we serve, and we're here to help. We even help in volunteer hours. With conveniences like mobile banking, you can access your money when and where you want. Make deposits anywhere, anytime. Pay your CSB loans from anywhere with CSB Loan Pay Express. Make purchases using your mobile wallet and enjoy the peace of mind with greater card security. And don't forget about e-statements. Save yourself a trip to the bank and download the app today. Or you can always visit one of our nine locations to get started. Bank with the best. Bank with Central Savings Bank. Member FDIC EHL. Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Serving the Eastern UP for over 25 years. O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on News Talk 1400. 7.33 on the game, News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis. If you want to hear the full two-hour version of tonight's show, you can find it a little bit later on this evening on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Butch, let's continue our Winter Olympics talk. We talked about the hockey already, and the U.S. is getting more medals and gold medals at the Winter Games in Beijing. This past week, we saw Nathan Chen win gold in men's figure skating. Chloe Kim, two gold medals in snowboarding. Aaron Jackson winning a gold in speed skating, the first African-American skater to do so for the U.S. And U.S. snowboarders Lindsey Jacobell, who won two gold medals 
And Nick Baumgartner made history after winning the gold in the mixed team snowboard cross event in Beijing. Jacob Ellis, 36, and Baumgartner, 40. And Butch Baumgartner, a youper from Iron River, Michigan. So those have been some of the highlights that I've seen. Uh, what what are some of the other things that you've uh, seen in your Winter Olympics viewing? Buy that man a beer. Okay? Yes, yeah, a couple. You see him, buy him a Give him some food, too, okay? Now, let him give him a good, healthy mix. Uh, I saw some bobsledding there, the women's bobsled, one lady bobsled, uh, uh, a gold and a silver in that particular event there, you know? And then we're not talking about the four-man bobsled and the and the men, okay, who uh, yet have uh, come up to party and uh and do that thing. So we can see some more medals go down the road a piece there. Sadly, we're seeing some controversy there with the 15-year-old from Russia, okay? And that is something that is burning up conversation left and right. And I wanted to talk about that, Butch. You know, before the Games began, uh, the IOC or the International Olympic Committee, they didn't have the Russian athletes be able to wear their country's colors and certainly Russia very much in the news this week, which I wanted to also touch on. But, you know, the U.S. boycotts the Olympics, yet the athletes come. And now, you know, this 15 year old figure skater from Russia, she still can participate, but then she can't have her anthem played if she wins the gold medal. I mean, it just seems like they're they're trying not to offend anybody. They're trying to, you know, to have this middle ground where, you know, they want to do something, but they don't really end up doing something. I wanted your thoughts because I think it's a bunch of just nonsense. Well, let me talk about the 15-year-old who basically this particular test they're talking about was taken in December, was uh, put behind, <clears throat> put under the carpet, and then brought out in February there. And now the young lady is penalized for it at 15 years of age, <clears throat> who, by the way, is a minor. Right. And I'm quite sure this young lady didn't come up and say, I'll take these drugs willingly and, and with the, with." No regrets, okay? If she was a grown woman, she probably would never take it because she'd be smart enough to know what was legal and what was not. But this is a 15-year-old kid that they're pumping drugs into without her doggone knowledge. And then, again, do you penalize her? Do you let her perform? Yes, you let her perform, but does she win anything? She's not going to get nothing out of this because, again, the the, the shadow of the her drug dealing and whatnot there, maybe not under her knowledge. Right. Okay. And that's the only reason why they're probably letting her skate at this proper time right now, because it's not a fault of hers. It's a fault of the people who are handling her there. So, again, Russia's in a bunch of deep do, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and right now they can't dig themselves out of it, uh, both nationally and internationally right now there. Uh, just... Uh, something rotten in Denmark, as they used to say, but something definitely rotten in Russia. And, and Butch, that's what I wanted to talk about here. You know, we don't talk about the news that much, but, you know, if you, if you read the news accounts and you see what's going on in the intelligence community and other things, uh, you know, there is a, a strong belief that Russia could invade another country, Ukraine, and it could happen during the Olympics. And, and what 
I mean, it's unprecedented that it's happened in an Olympics, and it could be one of the biggest invasions in Europe since World War II. What happens if these accounts are right and, and Russia does, uh, you know, have military action in Ukraine, say Wednesday, when a lot of people believe it's going to happen? What what's going to happen with the Olympics? Are are they going to continue? I mean, there's this could be a very interesting week, uh, more than just sports wise. Well, the, the Olympics going to keep on going. Mm. As much as they can let them go there, as long as China's not involved in this particular <laughs> I don't know about and that. <laughs> we've not yet seen the color of the of the particular in that regard there, because there's some hesitancy in how China does business there. That's why a lot of diplomats and whatnot didn't go over there and show their face in the country there. They allowed their athletes to go under a certain precaution, and believe me, once the athletes are through doing what they're doing, they're getting them out of town by sundown, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> they're not sticking around to, to go through the events like years past there. They're getting them out of there. So there's a lot going on. And, you know, I like I talk to my students and whatnot, uh, looking at proper forms that are out there that let you know what's going on in the world. I, I invite our our audience. So look at those proper forms that are out there giving the news and not cookie-cutting it for five or ten seconds, per se, but giving you at least 15 or 20 minutes or maybe more of what is actually really going on. Butch, what's going on with the Detroit Pistons? A lot of losses. Uh, the trade deadline ended last week. Uh, the Pistons do retain Jeremy Grant, uh, and they do pick up Marcus or Marvin Bagley the uh, third from the Sacramento Kings, as they did give away a couple players, uh, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles, uh, and uh, draft considerations. So, Butch, uh, Jeremy Grant stays. Marvin Bagley stays. Your thoughts, or comes, I should say, your thoughts. You know what the Pistons are doing is a is is downright ridiculous. There, it was it was some presence to what they're doing right now with that particular team. And you know, I always say honesty is always the best policy there. And maybe that's where the Detroit Lions got ahead of the belt there. They saw a head coach after so many weeks of the, the performance that his team was giving, yeah. which was absolutely nothing. You know, overlook, uh, underlook at the particular situation and say, you know what? I got to take some responsibility and I got to look at things in, in, in the sense that what other people see that I'm, I'm allowing my coaches to have to deal with there. And right now, I just don't see, I don't see next year the coach that we have right now will be back. Okay, I see you getting either a very good veteran coach to take care of this particular team or a good young kid, a good young coach who's not been heard too much in the National Basketball Association but has a humongous amount of experience in dealing with young players and whatnot and getting them to get into and buy into uh, working together, uh, playing defense, the basics of a basketball game instead of saying, look at me, uh, I'm getting my so-and-so many points and my so-and-so many rebounds, and the team stinks. And right now, that's what we're seeing of the Detroit Pistons right now, a total disbandment of, of, of a team just look just absolutely pitiful. And right now, the coaching staff that they have right now, at least the leader of the coaching staff, 
something has to be done about that. Yeah, you look that's at plain, this. That's plain and simple. You, um, I don't think a lot. You got the Bill Lambert out there, or for instance, another guy that again I mentioned that has a lot of professional experience, and he's coached the Windsor Express in Canada to three uh, championships in that country. There, a guy named who was a Southwestern graduate, played at the University of Iowa, and has NBA experience with New Jersey and whatnot. Would be Bill Jones, okay, who basically is absolutely. Great with young kids and whatnot there. Uh, talk their language. Buy into it. Or maybe a Bill Lambert out there who right now is not working, but again can get coaches under the wraps that basically he trusts to have this team play a lot tougher. I saw so much soft stuff in the games, last two games that the Pistons played. It was just it was upsetting to watch. It was upsetting to digest. It was just upsetting, period, there, okay? And, again, that comes from a coaching staff and players not buying into each other there. And it, it has to stop, okay? This guy's had X amount of years doing what he's doing, and I've not seen any improvement. Matter of fact, this scales have gone from sugar to you-know-what, okay? And it, it, it's it's. Pathetic and it's pitiful. The crowds that are going down to see the Pistons. Uh, I'll make an example. Uh, you got more people in there that saw Michigan State and Michigan playing hockey. Yeah. And they came and watched the Detroit Pistons playing professional basketball. And that's sad. And there's no reason they shouldn't because look at their last three games, Butch, losing at Dallas 116-86, at home to Memphis 132-107, to and at home to Charlotte 141-119. to I mean, come on, Butch, this team isn't just losing games. To me, they just, maybe they've lost interest. Lost interest, and again, you got to have a coaching staff to take responsibility for what's going on there and being truthful to uh, the, the clients that they're, uh, upholding there, and that's the fans who are paying the money to see these particular games, and they're not saying a doggone thing. And, and again, we're watching the poor performances from the coaching staff and whatnot there. We're watching the BS to come out of his mouth every single time he say, does an interview and whatnot. It's just it's pathetic, and it has to stop somewhere there, okay? you got to get your coach that basically demands uh, performance from every player or, you know what, Cut him, let him loose, whatever it may be. If Jeremy Grant's going to come in and give a half-behind attitude, okay, and come in there and do what he want to do, and he's putting up the points per se, but it's not in the venture of making other players on the team better. And that's what you see from these winning teams versus what you see from the Detroit Pistons. Pistons 12 and 44 on the season, worst record in the NBA, losers of seven straight. They're at the Washington Wizards tonight. We will join that game in progress right after our show right now. The Pistons down at 28 to 22 early in the second quarter. Butch, we're going to, I know, at least they're close. <laughs> Butch, we're going to take our final break here on the game. When you and I come back, we'll still talk more on Detroit sports. We'll talk about the Detroit Tigers and who knows what else we'll have in store. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, News Talk 1400.
At Old Mission Bank, we're ready to make your home ownership dreams a reality. We're excited to announce that we now offer USDA home loans with options for 100% financing. You heard that right, 100% financing for qualifying USDA mortgages. Come see our experienced lenders to discuss your personal options and let us find the right mortgage for your needs because it's what we do best. Act now to pre-qualify by calling us or apply directly online at OMBLoans.com. We're Old Mission Bank, home of your experienced local mortgage professionals. FDIC insured equal housing lender. Don Wilson Insurance Agency is big enough to serve and small enough to care. Don Wilson Insurance offers coverage from Fremont Insurance for personal, auto, home, boat, and commercial. Caring about community is just one of the things that sets us apart. We like to think of it as teamwork. When it comes to protecting the things that matter most, we have you covered. Call Don Wilson Insurance today for your free Fremont insurance quote at 906-635-5600. Reed Metals in Dafter, your honest main source recycling business, hopes everyone is staying safe during this pandemic that just won't stop. Reed Metals is still paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, lead-based batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Reed Metals also buys copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals. Reed Metals wants to pay you for your scrap metals and scrap vehicles. Reed Metals also offers roll-off dumpster service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com. Reed Metals is conveniently located only 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series motors and sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Skinners and Pickford, your tractor source in the north. Pickford, Michigan. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason on News Talk 1400. 748 on the game, News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by co-host Butch Davis from Butch on Sports. Butch, we don't have time to get through all the big uh, trade deadline deals, but certainly the biggest one, uh, James Harden, goes to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons along with uh, several other players there as well. Serge Ibaka goes to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you know, James Harden in Philly is not going to play till after the All-Star break. So what are your thoughts on that deal? Not only do does uh, Brooklyn get Ben Simmons, they also get uh, Andre Drummond and uh, Seth Curry. Brooklyn's alive again there, okay? They're basically right now getting some fresh meat. Basically, that's not been overused by Philadelphia, per se, but uh uh, talented in many different particular angles. I know Andre Drummond can rebound uh, better than anybody in the NBA if he really puts his mind to it. Ben Simmons, he doesn't have the pressure and and the purpose of have to always score. But here's a young kid who plays excellent defense, block shots, can bring the ball up, find open people. 
and occasionally when he goes in to score, uses a high percentage shot, which basically either is a layup or dunk. So you can't complain by what he's bringing to the table uh, for Philadelphia and James Harden per se there. They're going to let his leg men to a no-not-one. That means he's not going to be in the all-star game. But Philadelphia is going to make sure he's well, well oiled and greased before he hits the floor for the uh, 76ers and do his thing. So 76ers, again, is a team that, noted right now, can make a lot of noise in the East, which basically right now uh, is not better than the West. Yeah, the East is wide open. You have several teams there all with a good chance there, including Cleveland. I've been very impressed with the two teams there, Butch, Cleveland and Memphis. You know, these are teams that were kind of where the Pistons were not too long ago, and boom, all of a sudden they're top three in their respective conferences. The Pistons are just a a sad sack, okay? (laughs) Memphis has always, and also Cleveland, has always put some pedal to the metal. Cleveland was bad for two years, and the third year right now, when they still got young kids playing. We're talking about Beeline, and these are the kids that he brought in and whatnot, are gotten better, and right now performing to a a no-not-one, and Cleveland right now, they're going to be in the playoffs, per se, there. And there's nothing you can do about it there. We look at the Pistons and what they got. You know, they've been doing this for four, five, six, seven years, okay? And there's been no improvement. Matter of fact, the the charts and the needles are going down, down, down. They can't get no lower, okay? But, again, you got to surprisingly kind of put your hands up and say, Boy, what what are other teams doing versus what the Pistons are not doing there? Memphis is doing absolutely excellent there. And this is a frankly a young team. Average age on that particular team is twenty five years old. Yeah. Okay? And they're winning games left and right. And I don't know. It's the the NBA is changing by leaps and bounds and you're finding it to be that where again the the teams that are doing well, they're buying into certain things, and they got players right now that make other players better. Butch, hopefully by next week we'll know a little bit more about Major League Baseball and spring training, but we do know one thing from the Detroit Tigers. They announced last week that they will be finally retiring the number of Lou Whitaker. Uh, he will be the 10th player for the Tigers uh, with their number retired. Uh, it's certainly a uh, long, long overdue. Lou Whitaker having his number retired, in my opinion. Shame on them, the Detroit Tigers, who basically waited these many years to do that. He should have went in there with Jack Morris and also Alan Trammell. Yep. And it should have been a slap in the face from the Detroit Tigers to the Hall of Fame that Little Whitaker did not get in. There's no reason that you can't put one without the other when Trammell got in there. And so Detroit Tigers are making up for lost time because they're stupid, okay, when they should have did this well before the time there. This, this is redemption, I think, for Whitaker per se there. But, again, a lot too late for what I see there. But late. It's better than never, okay? And we get, at least get to see a person who's very, very deserving of being on that wall at Comerica Park be put in there. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's taken this long, Butch. I agree. It should have been with Trammell and Morris. Yeah, yeah, management, exactly. Staff, the administration. 
stupidity at its finest. Well, speaking of that, Butch, Major League Major League Baseball made its latest proposal to the Players Association on Saturday, and it looks like any hope of spring training games starting on time has vanished, as well as uh, on a time opening day in jeopardy. Uh, they're they're still bickering over this and that. I mean, are they ever going to come to some agreement here? Are we going to see baseball in April? <laughs> I think that's what a lot of baseball fans are doing right now. <laughs> Butch Davis getting all choked up about Major League Baseball uh, continues to have their players locked out as the uh, collective bargaining agreement uh, can't be reached as of right now. Uh, the start of the regular season is on March 31st as scheduled, Butch. But, uh, you know, the, these these two sides just can't seem to come to some agreement, much like uh, Russia and uh, a lot of the world. Uh, just uh, negotiations are at a standstill. I got caught my breath now. <laughs> Good. I was worried about you. A shock is a shock here. <laughs> uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have a problem. They first of all, got a problem in money that's coming in from other entities that the, the owners are receiving and the players are not receiving. And I hate to say it, but it's a uh, thing like FanDuel and FoxNet. Sports bet and all these other conglomerates that Major League Baseball is advocating or sponsoring. Players don't get no money from that there. Um, the amount of time that, if you notice, uh, the owners are doing, they're not giving no more long-term agreements there. Some of the agreements are one-year contracts and incentives, which I don't think is bad at all because, again, you – Hiring somebody for three years and you don't get two cents out of them, that's a bad investment indeed, okay? And I think uh, owners have gotten a lot more smart than they're turning the clock back to where it once was, where you signed the player once a year, every year, and you looked at the performance they gave, and right now the players don't want that. They want a lot more uh, electricity and the money that uh, Major League Baseball is making versus what the Players Association is receiving. And I think it's a lot more, not so much the players, but the Player Association in general, and also the administration of the uh, baseball players of Major League Baseball is having at it. And they got to come to terms, or we may not see some baseball on time. Bush, we got only a few minutes left. Uh, let's quickly get to our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. I will start thumbs up to U.S. snowboarders Lindsey Jacobellis winning two gold medals and the UP zone Nick Baumgartner at 40 years old. I always got to root for those guys in their 40s that are winning medals, making a history in the snowboard cross event. Uh, Baumgartner from Iron River, Michigan, and certainly we'll seek him out here once the Olympics are over to try to get him on this show because I would love to have a chat with him. Thumbs up to the Super Bowl uh, viewing uh, in general, the game itself, but especially the halftime show. They got it right. They nailed it. No lip syncing going on. Yeah, there weren't the pyrotechnics. It was good old music that everyone could enjoy, and the performers all did very well. And for time's sake, no thumbs down. Butch, your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. For the halftime show, it was fantastic from uh, Dr. Dre running the board and everything to the piano playing, yes. all the way down to the live music and old fashioned.
old-fashioned, old-fashioned entertainment that people had a desire for for quite some time. It wasn't about the blitz and the lift, it was about the stars of going out there and putting their heart into the performance. And uh, let's tip our hats off to those particular, the Pepsi Corporation for sponsoring that and getting it right uh, finally, okay? Thumbs down to the Olympic Committee for this particular Travesty for a 15-year-old kid. Yep. Uh, if that kid don't uh, go somewhere else, I don't know what's going to happen. But, again, you wish the 15-year-old kid well because nothing good can come out of this. If the child, right now she's able to skate and all, if she wins, will they award her a gold medal? And right now the uh, the, the the Olympic Committee said they won't give it to her. Ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Butch, uh, thanks for joining us once again on the game. Have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you next Monday night for our next edition of the game. Thanks for joining us, and great stuff as always, sir. All right. Thank you very much. All right. That's going to do it for this Monday night edition of the game. Want to thank Butch Davis, our co host, along with David McKeg Jr., and our special guest, John Froney from the Sioux Indians Midget AAA squad. We'll have Detroit Pistons basketball coming up here in a couple minutes. Right now, the Pistons losing at Washington 42 to 33. If you want to hear the full two hour version of tonight's show, you can find it here in a little bit on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. That's going to do it for this Monday night edition of the game. We'll talk to you next Monday night for our next edition here on News Talk 1400. Thanks for listening to the game on News Talk 1400 WKNW Sault Ste. Marie. Check us out next Monday at 6 for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. You can hear the podcast of the show and other broadcasts at thegamesportshow.com.